Now we are joined by Nse Uwafot, who's the Chief Executive Officer at the New Georgia Project. We are talking civil education and mobilizing power people so that they vote and they vote correctly. 614 that's our WhatsApp number. Please do join in. Thank you very much for joining us, Nse. Good morning. Nse, are you on the line? Um, can you hear me? Now I can hear you loud and clearly. Good morning. Good morning. I was just saying thank you for having me this morning. So we are talking mobilizing people power, power to the people, because we vote for us um, and we are expecting that the vote that we are voting for is going to bring power to us. But it, it seems um, with the, what has happened in the 2021 local government elections, uh, less votes came in, 46%, it seems, right. and that's 10% less than what it ha- had happened two years prior. And clearly, there's something amiss here when it comes to the electorate. Absolutely. Um, and what I will say is that South Africa is not unique, uh, that we are deeply concerned, I think, across the globe about ordinary people, workers, young folks, not seeing voting and elections as the one of the ways in which they can bring about the change that we seek in the world. Um, I understand that, you know, across the country, wages and access to health care and access to um, quality education are sort of universal things that people prioritize. And when they don't see their elected officials, when they don't see leaders as being accountable to them, the danger The danger isn't that they're going to go vote for the other party. The danger is that people withdraw from participation altogether. Um, And so having not just the political parties, not just politicians, be the ones to have conversations about power, about how we win on the issues that matter to us is really, really important. And there's a role for civil society to play in that conversation. Most definitely. I mean, when you're saying we are not unique as a country with this sort of downwards trend of voters, um, it's clear that, I mean, you look at any news uh, headlines from any country, service delivery becomes a challenge. In South Africa, service delivery leads to protests, right? The mm-hmm. dire economic outlook, corruption, um, fractions within political parties. But then how do we then move um, voters and civilians from saying, well, I'm complacent, my political party of choice is not doing the right thing? I'm I'm no longer voting. How do we move them from that state of mind to then saying, listen, I want to change. I'm going to educate myself and I'll go for other options or I'll hold accountable my political party. Yeah, I think that, you know, people have to recognize, one, that you have the ability to hire and fire these leaders, right? That if we are if I, we find ourselves in a situation where, again, all of these things that have been identified as priorities and leaders are so corrupt and so unaccountable that they don't see them as the issues that they should be working on, then they should be fired. I feel like that is a basic conversation that people understand. Where do you go where you go to work and you are consistently underperforming and the expectation is that you'll be you'll continue to have that job i think that south africans deserve better um and so thinking about you know here's the thing 
if you are protesting something, that is a clear demonstration that that is something that you are willing to mobilize and take action on. What if I told you that protesting and voting, right, and in some instances running for office yourselves is a part of a larger strategy to bring about the change that you want to see, right, that it's if you are protesting, you're moving your feet, you're taking action, you clearly care, that you should also be voting and thinking about it as a part of a larger strategy to win. How do we then create a culture of active citizenry, especially during election season and I think even way prior? I mean, we've got 18 months before we go to the to, to, to the voting polls. How do we then encourage citizenship to go out and vote? Right. Well, I'm, one, I'm thinking about elections as an opportunity to test the power, but that you're building power year-round, that folks are being canvassed, that we're hosting these community conversations, that people are, we're beginning to identify what the priorities are and what people are willing to take action on. That is not electoral activity. That's not activity that begins just in election season. And so, you know, <clears throat> thinking about how South Africans see themselves, what are the rights and the responsibilities of citizenship, what is the role of citizen in trying to fight for this future South Africa that works for all of our families, right? And again, that's not just election season conversation. Those are conversations that are happening year-round. So it's year-round conversations. I know uh, you're going to be hosting workshops, right, as uh, um, New Georgia Project. And these workshops are uh, for, for active citizenship when it comes to voting. You've tagged them or you've titled um, your current campaign, Mobilizing People's Electoral Power. What are these looking like? What will participants anticipate to hear or engage on in these workshops? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're thinking about activists and organizers, community leaders and faith leaders, educators, right, folks who are thinking about running for office and or thinking about how to bring about change in their communities, um, that when we talk about the strategy and the tactics, like what does it take to mobilize people in an electoral context but otherwise, right? So it is not magic, one, and two, it is not the exclusive domain of the political parties. So, you know, coming in um, to not only deep conversation but practical tips and tools and the sort of the infrastructure of what a campaign or an effort uh, to mobilize, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people, like what does that look like and what can that, how can that work in the South African context? Um, and I anticipate rich conversations um, and, yes, people um, – and then there's a keynote as well on Saturday. Um, and so I'm deeply excited that there are people who are already thinking about this, who are already leading organizations, um, who are already anticipating and thinking about campaigns, um, that this work is happening already. It exists in South Africa. Um, and so we're just happy to be a part of it, uh, to be thought partners, and to, be, to continue the relationship to think about ordinary people power, young people, women, mm. poor people, um, and what it looks like when we talk about democracy and an inclusive democracy. Okay, so this workshop, um, which community are you targeting? And, um, I mean, is it open for everyone to attend? 
Yes, I mean, I think that that's the beauty of democracy um, and these sort of nonpartisan efforts. I think people who are thinking about how to lead in this moment, um, that, that's who the workshop is for. Excellent. I'm going to the lines. I've got A-Team O'Brien, who's in Cape Town. Good morning, Brian. Good morning to you, uh, Patricia. Uh, Patricia, I just want to make a brief comment. Look, the, the, the problem with voting in these bourgeois democracies, so-called capitalist democracies, will never, ever help the working class. You know, failure to acknowledge the causes of all these social ills is rooted in our uh, failure to acknowledge the, uh, the causes of the, of the system, uh, which is capitalism. Um, as Rosa Luxemburg said, the capitalist system will reach a stage of barbarism. So um, voting for the capitalists uh, will again leave us in a state of um, total chaos and with all these Pandora box of social ills. So um, this is the nature of the capitalist system. It's been like this prior to the Industrial Revolution in 1840. Uh, to the present day, it will never get better. In fact, the only thing that capitalism delivers is misery. So um, for the working class to vote once again for this bourgeois regime, the political parties is going to be a complete disaster. The, the looting of this country will continue by the ANC fat cats and their cronies, and um, it, it will not stop. No one has been, uh, there's been no consequences for all this looting that has mm. been taking place by the ANC fat uh, cats. Brian, tell me for something. In, in South Africa, in, in your opinion and your learned yeah. viewpoint, do we have a socialist political party that is ready and active to take up the reins? Very good question. We don't have a genuine socialist party in this company. What The SACP is a Stalinist party, and the whole of Eastern Europe is an example of Stalinism. Uh, where the um, Stalinist bureaucracy uh, rules via the, the police generals and the army generals in Eastern Europe. So, uh, and that is where the repression stems from. And in South Africa, we have a capitalist party in the name of the, the SACP. The capital, it should be known as the South African Capitalist Party. <laughs> they are in alliance with the biggest capitalist party in the country, which is the ANC. All right. to Brian, we've heard you loud and clearly. Thank you very much for calling and weighing in on this. Uh, and say, I don't know if you'd like to weigh in on what um, uh, Brian has said. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, I, what I think, I, Brian is not wrong, right? That failure to acknowledge the root causes of these social ills uh, is a fool's errand. But, and, and thinking about, like, the challenges that have plagued us, you know, since 1840. Again, not wrong. But what I'm deeply interested in is what are we going to do about it in 2022? And as we think about the South Africa that we're trying to build for the future, acknowledging the root causes of what uh, sort of challenges us is really important. And then it should inform the strategy and the tactics that we plan to employ in order to do 
something about it, right? Mm -hmm. And that is what the priority is. That is what the youth are demanding. That is what we owe to ourselves. So, yes, acknowledge the problems and then do everything that we can to think about the inclusive strategies and tactics that bring in the voices of the working class, that have accountable leaders and leaders who are accountable to the working class, who can be hired and fired by the people should they find themselves not doing the people's work. So so this brings a light to this question. Then what will the role of civil society be in um, holding new leaders that were voted in for um, to be accountable? Because that's one thing we're not seeing, active citizenship when it comes to holding leaders accountable. Absolutely. I think that oftentimes, and again, also not unique in South Africa, but oftentimes voters think that they have done their jobs once they've gone out and voted, right? Like, I voted, my people won, or my person didn't win, that that my responsibilities to this process are over. And that is not the case at all. And I think that civil society, in terms of popular education and voter and civic education, and letting people know how these things actually work, right? And so you don't have to wait until the economy has fallen off of the cliff and there's an energy crisis for to understand that leaders are not working in the best interest of your family or your township, et cetera. Um, and that's the role I think the civil society can play. It's not just the sort of narrow uh, opportunity that elections provide us with, that it's elections as the beginning of understanding how we actually co-govern, right? What does it look like to co-govern with the people? Um, and working on issues that are our priorities to the broadest section of society. Um, and I think that that's all of our work, and I think that civil society organizations have a lot to contribute to that. Let me go to a voice note from our A-teamer. Okay. Hello, my sister. I think on this topic of youth not voting, we need to teach them. We need to teach our youth. I'm also youth myself. And I don't know when did I stop voting, but now I'm going to vote come 2024 because we need a new government. We we need a new leaders so that they can lead this country. Not old people, please, ANC. If you can remove these old people who are leading us, please. This was Godfrey from Soweto. Thank you. All right, and say uh, you've heard uh, the comments and uh, uh, questions from our uh, listeners. What are your thoughts there? I mean, I think that this is exactly what I'm talking about. The idea that marginalized people, working people, young people are seeing leaders who, uh, you know, and are working in their interests and those who are not. And so, like the, the. recognizing that no one can give you power, right? That um, Frederick Douglass, a famous U.S. abolitionist, says that power concedes nothing without a demand. So what are the demands of the people? And what does an organized demand look like? And And when I say organized demand, I mean the idea that you are being inclusive and that there are as many voices as possible, um, and it actually reflects the priorities that have been articulated. People will tell you what their hopes are, what their fears are for themselves, 
for their families, for their communities. They will tell you, right? And so making sure that there are leaders who are listening. We have twice as many ears as we do mouths. And so we want leaders <laughs> across the globe who are listening, who understand what the priorities are of their people, and who are working in that interest. That is a process. It is a living process. It is a dynamic process. And it doesn't just happen a couple of weeks, months before uh, a presidential or parliamentary election. That this is the work of democracy that is happening year-round. Mm. Now, at the New Georgia Project, what you have done is that you are an, able to engage 700,000 unregistered African Americans, Latinos, and Asian Americans and got them to start voting. Okay. Now, my question based on this is governance, democracy, elections in Africa. I mean, what do they really mean to us as Africans? Uh, are they priority? Is it working for us? Taking a listen and a look at what is currently happening? I mean, I will say that it is the best and most accountable system that we have access to in this moment. I don't think that we fare well as Africans uh, with a small, unaccountable authoritarian leaders. I think that when there is a leadership class or an elite that thinks that they speak for the majority of citizens, um, that that is when we get into dangerous territory and that is where we see the most suffering. And fortunately, South Africa is a place where there is something a democracy. And so there are, that ordinary South Africans have access to a system that they can work, that can work for them, right? So Again, does that mean that we won't see suffering? Does it mean that we won't have energy challenges? Does that mean that we won't be combating poverty? No. What that means is that there is a process that is designed to bring in as many South African voices as possible um, to do what's in the interest of the whole. Now, let's talk a bit more about the work that you do at the New Georgia Project and also how we as uh, South Africans and Africans at large are able to, you know, take key learnings from partnerships um, such as your, with, with companies and organizations such as ourselves. Yeah, I think that social media has taught us that the world is getting smaller, that our ability to communicate across platforms, across language differences, across time zones, um, has meant that there is a, a conversation, that there's a dialogue that is happening across the globe, uh, recognizing that, you know, if we are concerned about climate goals, for if you will, that borders don't protect us from extreme weather events on and on and on. And so thinking about what are the lessons learned, what are the best practices, and how do we learn from one another, and how we pour into um, these sort of broad-based, people-powered movements um, that are designed to bring about a more accountable government and a future that works for us. I don't think that, um, you know, a good idea does not care where it comes from, and I don't think that we should either. So the key learnings that we are getting from this particular, you know, workshop are going to be key learnings that are going to touch lives. Is there going to be a ripple effect in skills transfer um, as as we move forward or are you going to be stationed uh, in South Africa for the unforeseeable future? 
Um, I mean, I, is it? Does it have to be either or? Can it be both? Right? Uh, let Can us it know. Have a let ripple us effect? know. <laughs> it should. At least. Can it have a ripple effect? I think that that's absolutely the goal. That's the idea. Um, and uh, I mean, we live. I think that the pandemic has taught us that a lot can be done virtually, but. I don't think that there's ever, ever, ever any replacement for high-quality face-to-face conversations when it's possible um, and being in community with people when it's possible um, as we're trying to build something um, that is designed to win. And so, you know, I will always go where I'm needed, and I try to be efficient and effective um, in the support that I provide. So uh, let's talk about uh, democracy and uh, coalitions. We've seen in, in our last, um, uh, you know, elections, all right, local government elections, that coalition governments are, are possible. But how do we then take a new outlook, right? Give ourselves a new outlook to the possibility of having a national coalition government um, as opposed to having a one-party government? Yes. Um, I mean, I think that given the, sh- the size the diversity, the ideological diversity in a place like South Africa, um, that uh, having a robust exchange of ideas, having a process that allows for us to debate and deliberate and decide on a path forward is ultimately in our best interest. I think that we are, the danger in a one-party rule system um, is that that becomes more and more challenging if it is believed, rightly or wrongly, that there's only one path forward through one political party, et cetera, that that challenges us, that narrows what our options are to make good decisions for the on the part of the whole. And so... It's not clear to me that that is what the people of South Africa actually want. And so why not try to invest in and support and maintain a system that removes all doubt, that allows us to know what the people of South Africa want. I think that that's what is being proposed, and that's what is being imagined when you think about a coalition government where there are multiple voices and and, an opportunity to debate good ideas. Mm. So uh, the event uh, that you, the workshop that we're speaking about is happening on Saturday from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. at uh, the Pactonian Hotel in uh, Gauteng. Uh, It's also in partnership with Rivonia Circle. Talk to us about what we can expect because you are the keynote speaker. Yes, so I am the keynote speaker, and I'm excited about it. Um, But the beauty of what we are going to experience on Saturday is that I am not alone in any way. That as we're talking about mobilizing people's electoral power, uh, Ravonia Circle is full of leaders, right? Leaders have people have followers, people who are committed to a base. That it's full of leaders who are thinking about the future of South Africa, who are thinking about democracy and governance in South Africa and what that looks like. People who are thinking about the 2024 general election and what participation is going to look like. Thinking, thinking about morale 
thinking about the power of the vote, thinking about misinformation and disinformation and how we combat that in a world where information is being exchanged so rapidly and so quickly. And uh, they say that a, a lie can circle the globe before a truth puts its boots on, right? And so what does what do leaders need to know in this context, in this moment, as we think about the South Africa that we're building for the future? And those are the kinds of conversations that, like, Ravonia Circle is leading already um, and that we uh, intend to double down on on Saturday. Well, Nse, thank you so very much for joining us. And um, I'm hoping that the turnout is going to be absolutely amazing and we are going to see positive effect on uh, this particular Rivonia Circle workshop around uh, South Africa 2.0 mobilizing people's electoral power. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Take care.